You are listening to the podcast of First Baptist Church of Sevierville, where our mission is helping people move from their point of need to hope in Christ. For more information about our church, head on over to severe.church. Today's sermon, Do Not Provoke or Envy One Another, is part nine in the series Community, shared by Senior Pastor Dan Spencer. Hey everybody, thanks for being here today and what a good time we've had already in uh, just singing together, worshiping the Lord together and celebrating baptisms together. At this time, I want to ask you to please find in your Bible the book of Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5 and today we're going to conclude this series of sermons called Community and then next week begin something new for Christmas. But for two months now... We've been working on this idea of uh, building a stronger church family, a stronger sense of community. And, and the, the theme is this, that God did not mean for you to do the Christian life by yourself. But he, but he meant for us to experience this together, to rely on one another, and to love each other, and to surround each other with that network of uh, Christian relationships that, uh, that supports us and gives us that sense of belonging and, and is there for us when we need each other. And so uh, this has been super important to me. I don't know about you. I've really been challenged as, you know, I have to deal with this first before I present anything to you. And so I've been challenged to the core about these ideas of how we how we build that community around us by serving one another and uh, exhorting one another and showing hospitality to one another and all the rest. We've looked at eight of these one another commands from the New Testament. There are 59 of them in all. And they're, they're all of them uh, commands that are addressed to do something or to not do something to one another, that is to your brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we've looked at eight of these already. Today we're going to look at uh, not just one, but three more. It's like a Black Friday deal. You get three for one today. And uh, we're going to find them in four verses from the book of Galatians. And so that's why I've asked you to turn there. Galatians is a letter that God inspired the Apostle Paul to write to the churches that he had founded, he had planted in a region, it's in modern day Turkey, but in a region that back then was called Galatia. And, and so this is a place Paul went a lot. He spent time there on each of his three major missionary journeys. And he had a lot of friends there. He had led a lot of people to Christ there, planted churches there. And so he loved these people. And, uh, and so he's writing to them, and toward the end of this letter, in chapter 5, verse 16, uh, Paul is inspired by God to just lay out a vision for what our lives should be as Christians. And so what he says in a nutshell is this, in verses 16 through 25, uh, he says, look, we want our lives to be living testimonies of the power of the gospel of Christ. That he picked us up, he changed us, he's given us new life, he's turned our lives around and changed our hearts. And, and so we want to live that out in such a way that people can see in us 
that we're no longer producing all these works of the flesh. Uh, we've crucified the flesh and all of its desires, but now we're, we're walking in the, in the Spirit. We've surrendered our lives to the Spirit of God, and, and now we're producing in our lives the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, and all these other things. And then uh, on the heels of that, in the next sentence, found in verse 26 of chapter 5, uh, he starts a new section about how we treat one another in the church. And he mentions three of these one another's in the space of four verses. Uh, two of them are negative, one of them is positive. And so let's read, beginning in Galatians 5, 26, and uh, it makes some people nervous. We're going to do it anyway. We're going to read right across that chapter division, okay? Beginning in verse 26. Here we go. The Bible says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another. There's one. Envying one another. There's two. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, there's three, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself." I was thinking about that when I was uh, spending Thanksgiving with my dad. This year, uh, Teresa and I split up. This didn't come out right, but we went different directions. We don't start that rumor. Uh, I went west to see my dad. She went north uh, to uh, northeast Missouri to see her parents. And we just both felt strongly we needed to do that today. So it was different, but it was good. And uh, I, I really enjoyed Thanksgiving with my dad, my siblings, nieces and nephews and all. And uh, I got to thinking about this, that there's my family on Thanksgiving Day uh, gathered around, eating together, laughing, talking, doing what families do. And I look over there at my dad, who was born in the 1930s. And my siblings, we were all born in the 1960s. And our children were born in the 1990s. And their children were there, born in the 2010s and the 2020s. And so there were four distinct generations at this meal, all sharing the same food, sharing the same fellowship, but at different stages of life. Really different stages of life like from 85 down to zero. And I got to thinking as I was just enjoying that and looking around the room that our church is a lot like that, right? That uh, spiritually speaking, we are all members of the same church family, but we're at different stages of spiritual life. Think about this. Uh, on the one hand, you've got people who have been following Jesus for a long time. And, and they have weathered a lot of storms that the Lord has brought them through. They fought a lot of battles. They have uh, trusted Jesus through grief and 
pain and loss and victory. Uh, they've studied a lot of the Bible and, and they've, uh, they've, they've internalized that. They're, they're living this Christian life faithfully. They've learned the disciplines of discipleship at this point. And so they, they've developed the strength that comes with spiritual maturity. But then at the other end of the spectrum, there are some newer Christians. And, and they're excited. And we saw a couple of them baptized today. They're taking their first steps of spiritual growth now. And like little children who are learning to walk, they fall down a lot. Uh, and like little children who are learning to feed themselves, they leave a mess sometimes. Uh, but but they're, they're growing but at this point in their lives, spiritually, the pull of the world is still really strong. And resisting temptation is something that they're doing for the very first time. And, and obeying Jesus and, and living by the word of God, this is all very new for them. And so they, they love Jesus. Their faith is growing, but they are still over here uh, sort of weak in their faith. They, they have a lot of zeal, but not a lot of knowledge. And so that means that, that they're making some of those mistakes that, that come with immaturity. And they'll grow out of it, but they're, they're still weak. And so Paul poses a question here or an issue, and that is, what should be our attitude when these newer, weaker brothers and sisters in Christ do what all of us do when we're new, and that is they make mistakes and, and they fall and they disappoint. What should our attitude be toward them? And how should we treat them? How do we treat each other when in our weakness we do ungodly things? We say foolish things and sometimes just go off the rails in sin. What should our attitude be? And the alternatives are that, that we, could, we could choose to be a conceited church and sort of look down on everybody that fails. We could be a condemning church and, and just step on everybody and, and, and shoot the wounded among us. We could be a canceling church and just cancel all of those who disappoint or embarrass us. But God calls us to be a restoring church. A restoring church. Watch this. In verse 1, we read, If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And so what he's saying here is that, look, those of you who are spiritual, you need to Go to work restoring the people who are weaker and who fall. Uh, the word restore there in verse 1 is a very common word in the New Testament. It means to repair something by bringing it back to its, its former condition. It's used uh, in the Greek language of, of setting a broken bone so that it can heal. That's restoring uh, it's used in the Bible of the disciples when they were mending their nets. Same word here. To, to restore it 
back to its former condition before it was torn, before it was broken, before it was damaged. And so here's what he's saying in verse 1, that when a brother or sister in Christ is broken by sin, and along with that, many times they then have broken fellowship with the church family, then here's what we do. Uh, we, we have to encourage their repentance. We can't forgive their sin. Only God can do that. We have to encourage their repentance. We have, to, we have to be patient with them, reach out to them. But once they repent of that sin and God forgives them, then we go to work restoring. Our ministry becomes for them a ministry of restoration because we want to get them back to where they were before they sinned and before they were broken. And so uh, what we have to do is be a restoring church. And that doesn't just happen. We, it, it takes some work on our part, some initiative on our part, and it takes us as a church and as individuals making some decisions if we're going to be a restoring church. So I'm going to give you three of those decisions of a restoring church. The first one is this. We just have to decide we don't look down on each other and we don't pick on each other here. That has to be our, our decision. We're not going to look down each other and, on each other and pick on each other when we fail here. Uh, he addresses that in verse 26 when he says, let us not become conceited. Do you see that? Let us not become conceited. That means, uh, conceited means when you feel that you deserve to be honored and looked up to. In fact, the, the, in the original language, the word literally means empty glory. That is, you don't deserve it, but that's what you want. And, 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 and you have you puffed yourself up in your own eyes to the point that you feel like you deserve honor and special treatment. And this actually happens a lot. And remember, he's talking to these stronger Christians here, and, and it happens a lot. If you, have, uh, if you have logged a lot of time in the church, if you've studied a lot of the Bible, if you've gotten some spiritual growth and, and you've attained some spiritual maturity, then the danger is that, that you could begin to perceive yourself as somebody who is worthy of special honor because you have been a Christian a long time or you've taught the Bible or you were given some position or people tell you that you're a really good Christian. And so, so you, you could become conceited. And with that attitude, uh, you may begin to look down on those who aren't quite at your level of spiritual maturity yet. And you may begin to look down judgmentally on them. And instead of your desire being, hey, I want to help you grow, your desire can become, I'm better than you. And so you deserve... I deserve special treatment from you, and, and your attitude can become, if we're not careful, hey, who do all these new people think they are anyway? And, and so we become conceited. That's possible. It's a danger 
that we have to guard against. And what that leads to is the next phrase in verse 26, and that is provoking one another. Provoking one another, uh, that word provoking is a competitive word. It's like the word that was used back then for uh, if you were calling somebody out to fight you so you could prove that you're stronger and, and better. And so it's a competitive word. It means, it means calling somebody out to challenge them so that you can show that you are better and smarter and holier than they are. That's how it works in the church. And it doesn't belong here. But with that attitude of provoking, uh, it, it becomes, hey, whatever my idea or my opinion is, that has to be the winning opinion or the winning idea, and I need to get my way. And what this is, really, it's seeing your brother and sister in Christ as a competitor that is to be beaten rather than a teammate that is to be helped and encouraged. And that just doesn't belong in the family of God. We're not, we're not competing with each other. Remember when the disciples did that with Jesus? They said, hey, how do you know who's the greatest in the kingdom of God? We, will, we want to be the greatest. And Jesus had to tell them it's not about that. It's about getting down on your knees and serving each other. That, that's how you do it. It's about encouraging your teammates, not competing against each other. And, and so if we get there, then that can cause yet another problem. And, and it's at the end of verse 26, envying one another. That happens when that weaker Christian ends up resenting those who are stronger and further down the road than they are. And, and then you have division in the family of God, and we just can't allow that. I mean, our, our mission is too important. Our unity is too important for us to be divided in that way. And, and so we have to guard our unity. And so we don't, this is a decision we have to make. We don't look down on each other. And we don't pick on each other and call out one another's mistakes all the time. Uh, another decision that we have to make then is uh, we have to decide, here the strong take care of the weak. That's the way it is in the family of God. The strong take care of the weak here. Uh, verse 1 says, If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual... Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, so what he's saying is this. You who have walked with the Lord for a long time, you who know the Word of God, you who know how to pray, you who have some godly wisdom and some spiritual maturity about you, you're supposed to look out for the ones who have fallen and who are being crushed by their burdens that's the way it is here. The strong take care of the weak. If we don't do that, we're going to become divided. And, and really for Paul, this was not just a one-off. It, it wasn't just a Galatian issue. Uh, he also said this to the church at Rome in another way. Romans 15, 1 through 3 says, We then who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. In other words, uh, we, don't, we don't lord over everybody and say, by comparison, look how great I am. Compared to, you're a loser who fails all the time. Look how strong I am. That's not what it's about. 
He says, we who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up for even Christ did not please himself. And so Paul holds up as the supreme example of how to do this, the Lord Jesus Christ himself who did not look down on us and did not crush us when he had every reason to do so. Instead, what did Jesus do? He reached down in his strength to help us and to pick us up and to lift us up when we were weak and helpless. And so the strong help the weak. He also mentioned this uh, in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Uh, It's chapter 5, verse 14. He said to them, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly, comfort the faint-hearted, and listen, uphold the weak and be patient with all. Uphold the weak. Don't you like that picture? It's those who are stronger holding up the weak when they're down so they can become stronger. And, And that is... That is a key to unity in the church. Instead of the strong standing in pride over the weak, condemning them, canceling them, uh, shaming them, instead of that, it's the strong stooping down to lift up the weak. See that? And, and how do we do that? Well, in Galatians 6.1, Paul said, look, the way you do that is in a spirit of gentleness. Those of you who are spiritual, if someone has been caught in a sin, restore them, and he said, do it in a spirit of gentleness. Uh, That is, we're not harsh with them. We're not impatient with people who are down. We don't shoot our wounded here. Instead, we're gentle Because we remember what it was like. And because we know that if we take our eyes off the Lord, we're capable of falling in the same way and ending up down there with them. And so we do it with a spirit of gentleness. We don't look down on each other here. We don't pick on each other here. The strong take care of the weak here. And a third decision we need to make is this one. That we just need to decide no one struggles alone here. Nobody struggles alone. It says in verse 2, and I love this one another. It's the one we're going to end this whole thing on. It says, bear one another's burdens. Bear one another's burdens. I think that can mean a lot of things, but in the context here, it, it means... For that weaker brother or sister who's trying to bear this burden of resisting temptation all by themselves, they need help. They're being crushed. They're failing. They're falling. And what they need is someone who will get down there with them and and help them carry that burden and hold them accountable and pray for them and and check in with them and share wisdom with them. It could be uh, for some the, just the burden of 
trusting in Jesus, if you've never lived by faith before, your first steps of trying to do that are not always successful and you need someone to help you to carry that burden and to encourage you. That's what we're here for. It could be the burden of the expectations of others. For some, uh, they, they just they, they don't want to disappoint and people are so proud that they're saved and they're, they're, they're new in Christ. They don't want to let anybody down and that can become a burden that they bear and they need someone to help them. It could be the burden of dealing with failure. You know, the, the embarrassment after a fall. And uh, a burden is really anything that your brother or sister in Christ is finding too heavy to carry alone. And they're not making any progress in their faith. They're not getting any stronger. And so what we do, here's what Galatians 6.2 says, is that we get under that burden with them. I mean, we get next to them and we add our strength to theirs and we help them carry that burden so that they're not crushed by it. And that's just the way God has designed His family to operate. No one struggles alone. We bear one another's burdens. And our attitude with one another becomes, hey, your burden is my burden. Your burden is... It's my burden. Think for a minute, what would it be like if we all had that attitude? Hey, your burden is my burden. I want to help. And so uh, we come alongside and we get under that burden with them. And here's how you bear one another's burdens. You, you talk about it. You, you, you tell them about heavy burdens that you've been crushed by before and that you've struggled with and how God saw you through that. And, and then you, you pray with them for greater strength. And, and you, you open your Bible and, and you begin to share wisdom that you've learned from God's Word about how to, how to get beyond it, how to Bear that burden. And you walk with that person side by side. You can't do this from a distance. You walk with them side by side until they're stronger. And in that way, I'm telling you, you've made a friend for life. And the whole church gets stronger. When we bear one another's burdens, the whole church gets stronger. And the stronger we are, the greater we can fulfill the mission that God has given us. So it's crucial that we get this and that we do this. And I believe it's crucial that we are known by this. That from the outside looking in, people know that's a church where nobody struggles alone. They don't pick on each other. But instead, they bear one another's burdens. What if that could be our reputation here? Imagine what that would look like to those who are outside of the faith, outside of the family, outside of the church. So, uh, 
as I close, this all goes back when we bear one another's burdens. It all goes back to what Jesus did when He went to the cross and He took on Himself, though He was innocent and holy and pure, He took on Himself the burden of the sins of the world. Think about that. And He took our burden on Himself and He took that sin to the cross and He died in our place so that we could be unburdened of all of that sin and we could be washed clean and we could be forgiven and free to live in His salvation. Think about what Jesus did. Everything that we do to bear one another's burdens is just a reflection of the grace that we've been shown when Jesus carried our burden of sin. Amen. Let's stand together. And uh, would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus who carried the burden of our sins to the cross and died for us so that we could be forgiven and saved. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone here who is still under the burden of their sin, that today would be the day they call on Jesus for salvation. And God, I I pray that you would save those who are lost today. And Lord, I, I pray that you would first, as the pastor of this church, will you forgive us for the times that we've not done this right? Lord, please forgive us for the times that we picked on each other and we caused further brokenness in somebody's life because of the way we treated them after they fell. And Lord, will you forgive us for ignoring those who are weaker as they're just crushed and Lord, sometimes even judging them for it. And Lord, will you teach us to lift each other up and to bear one another's burdens. We know you're going to be glorified in our lives when we do that. And Lord, I've I've been so convicted for nine weeks in a row. And all the ways that I'm I'm not measuring up, I want to do better with all of these one another's. Will you teach us, Lord, to do that? And may we be known as a church that loves one another and serves one another and exhorts one another and all the rest. Mostly that we bear one another's burdens. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, be sure to subscribe and share. And if you want a pastor to follow up with you regarding today's message, reach out to us at severe.church slash follow up. Thanks again for joining us on the First Baptist Church Severeville podcast.